Hi, my name is Chris Little, and I am the host of The Lifestyle Chase. In 2018, I started this show to have meaningful conversations. I've interviewed over a hundred different people, both in and out of the fitness industry. This podcast is something I'm incredibly proud of. Welcome to season four. Thanks for joining me. All right. So welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase. We are continuing um, the series of episodes where I bring some of my past and present clients onto the show. So today we are showcasing Marcy Kiziak. Um, and she has been an online client with me since April 2021. So before we get into sort of your bio, like uh, how did we get connected? Um, so at that time I was looking, um, folks that wanted to be at home. I have a gym in my house. Uh, I saw the squat challenge. I was really excited. The energy that that, uh, drove at a really, at a time when people needed that energy, I thought was phenomenal. I just thought the, the commitment to it. Um, I found it really intriguing. And so, uh, so Instagram and squat challenge. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what Instagram can do. Like in the training industry, the fitness industry, we often like make jokes that nobody gets clients from Instagram. But uh, I actually get quite a few clients from Instagram with my, my humbly small account. So there is hope out there. But uh, I want to really highlight who you are outside of fitness. So you are the chief operating officer at Nova Cannabis. Um, you're on the board for Little Warriors. I think you were mentioning you're on the board for the Citadel. Uh, if there's anything that I missed, why don't you fill in the audience with uh, everything else about you? Sure. Um, so I'm also on the board for the Safety Codes Council. Um, so um, pretty busy, uh, busy life. Uh, as, as you noted, uh, Chief Operating Officer for Nova Cannabis. Uh, we operate under the Value Buds banner. And so our stores are in Alberta and in Ontario. Uh, Alberta was really was our launch pad. Um, so it's where we first opened upon legalization with five stores. Uh, what else? Um, I have three dogs. I have a dog named Nova. Nova's named after my dog. Um, three rescue dogs uh, and try to be really connected to the charities. Um, and yeah, I live in, live in Shore Park with my family. That's awesome. Um, a lot of people will probably wonder, like, how did your career start, like, in the cannabis industry? Um, and I'm someone who, like, basically, as I was preparing for this interview and through our interactions leading up to this podcast interview, I've gotten to know that you have background in other industries. You have uh, strong skills within HR. Um, how, how did that journey into cannabis begin? Sure. So I had a pretty lengthy career in HR uh, prior to this, um, 15, 18 years-ish. Uh, and I was in oil and gas for a long time and did a lot of mergers and acquisitions and integration work and had a ton of fun. Um, but it got, a, it got to be exhausting uh, and pretty cyclical. Um, and HR can be really difficult after lengths of time. I think um, so some real parallels to draw there from in, in, with training just in terms of the stuff that you know, that folks tell you and um, the stories that you hear and that sort of thing. I'd been looking for an opportunity to do something a little bit different. And I went to go work um, for a company called uh, Castle, still in oil and gas. They gave me an opportunity to run a pipe coating facility for a year, which sounds crazy, but they did. Um, and um, you know, the team and I turned it around and um, 
did some pretty impressive things with it uh, and got a real taste for operations at that time. Um, so was looking a bit to, to move out of HR, but also to move out of the industry and had an opportunity with Alcana, um, which is the um, largest retailer of Canada, of uh, liquor in Alberta, um, value, but, or sorry, Ace Liquor Depot and Wine and Beyond Banners, uh, had an opportunity to join them. The day that I joined the company in an HR role, uh, was the same day that they announced um, the uh, partnership with Aurora and that there was that cannabis was they were going to be a cannabis retailer. Um, and so uh, through that process, what happened was it's a lengthy story, um, but through licensing moratoriums and all sorts of things that happened, um, what we thought we were going to be launching with 37 stores, we launched with five. Um, and that footprint made a lot of sense for me to, to step in and do something a bit different. Uh, cannabis was going to be a different it's a different industry um, than, than liquor. And so uh, with some really fantastic champions uh, in my corner, they gave me the opportunity to, to run it. And so we started with five stores. Um, we'll be uh, sitting closer to 100 uh, by middle of this year. And so it's it's been a bit of a journey, but it's uh, cannabis is an interesting industry and I'm really thankful to be in it. Uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity. Well, I mean, like stepping into the unknown, like what are your emotions when you go into something like that? Like you've had to take on different roles and like have a level of uncertainty. Like what, what's your process? Yeah, I think you know, the reality is that so many of those things are rooted in the people. And so if you can get the people right, that helps get everything else right. Um, and I knew that. And I, we knew we wanted to do something a little bit different. We knew that we were facing stigma. We knew we were facing all sorts of things. Um, so walking into it, um, the process was really just to do things differently. And so, um, and to, to have no sacred cows and no bad habits, um, and just start from the beginning. And so knowing it was a people business, the focus was on finding the right people and then building the business around it. Um, and, and I would argue that we were, um, we were successful and continue to be, uh, one of the things I'm pretty proud of is that a number of the folks that were with us at legalization are still with us. Um, and a lot of the the women that started with us, um, you know, in light of it being International Women's Day, uh, a lot of the women who started with us uh, are still with us. Um, one of the uh, um, we did this thing uh, today where a number of our folks got to nominate other people inside the business, and one of the one of the women who works for us um, in Lethbridge commented about how she's learned things that she can teach her children and that sort of thing, and that's why we did this the way that we did it. Um, but really it's, it's a people business. Well, on, on the social media for value buds, I was kind of like checking out all the different profiles because over the last like couple days, uh, the company has showcased some of the, the women in the business and to kind of like learn more about what makes them who they are and what they've learned and like the strengths that they bring. It's pretty cool. Like anybody that, uh, is intimidated by like the, the store or the product or anything like that. I hope that you lead with an open mind to learn more about like these kinds of people and just kind of go with that people first mentality with that being said uh what are some of the things that you look for in people when you're building up a team yeah um so if you've never read the book the ideal team player it is really um for me it is the best blueprint um to figure out a team um it's a it's a venn diagram where you balance out um people who are hungry humble and smart and that's how you find the right people. Um, and so really that is how, that is really what guides my decisions when I'm looking at adding people to the team. 
and and being um, you know being smart might not be being traditionally smart, might not be being book smart. It might just be being intuitive. You know, um, being hungry might not mean that you want to move to the next thing right away. It might just mean you want to do the best that you can in the space that you currently occupy. Um, and so it's really respecting all of those things. But that's that's really the blueprint that I apply to building teams, and it, it has has not steered me wrong yet. That is awesome. And I do want to highlight that it is International Women's Day at the time of this recording, and I'll be hustling to get this uh, published timely so that uh, we can really uh, celebrate that. With that being said, I'm going to ask sort of a side question. Um, out of all the women in your life, who would you consider to be your mentors? They can be in the business, outside of the business, in any aspect of your life. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I am just so incredibly lucky to have a group of women uh, around me who, um, who who amplify successes, um, you know, are very supportive when you need them, but not only that, are willing to be brutally honest when you need them to be. And so I am wildly lucky to have a group of friends uh, like that, and a lot of people don't. Um, I talk a lot about mentorship uh, when I'm working with uh, the Kids Little Warriors or when I'm uh, on stage. Um, and you know, most of my mentors up till now have been male. And so, you know, my what I encourage of you know women leaders and um, women executives is to look for somebody to mentor, and teach them to mentor somebody else, because there aren't a lot of female mentors out there right now. Um, but having that support group of folks around me who are willing to be pretty honest with me when I need it is critically important, um, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in your own um, in your own narrative. Um, and so to have somebody be willing to, to step in and stop that and set you back on the course in a really honest, genuine way, critically important. Well, I mean, you kind of highlighted some of the things that, uh, where, where there's work to do and I can reflect on the fitness industry specifically. The fitness industry is an area where like we are actively working to try and highlight more women in the industry so that, uh, people who are brand new have more diversity to look out for when it comes to their mentors. And I have like sought out female mentors because I see value in like that perspective and that range of like lessons and people skills and communication skills and different cueing and exercise selection. Like it can make me two times as good of a trainer through that perspective. Whereas if I just limited it and like the, the common thing is that there are like a dozen like trainers in the industry who look just like me, like a white bald guy <laughs> who is like relatively five foot eight and uh, like average build. Like, I mean, half, half of the experts in the industry look like me and what am I going to learn by finding someone who agrees with everything that I think or um, has the exact like it's just this big echo chamber and nothing new is to be learned so anybody learning or listening to this no matter what industry they're in I encourage them to find diversity in both their personal circles and their professional circles because there is so much to be learned in that way um, something some don't make enough space for people. Like that's the thing is we yeah. don't make enough space for people. And like, and if you have space, if you're holding space, make space. And we don't always do that. And and women have this this. There's, it's not true, but it, but I know why we all feel this way is that there's limited space for people. And we're not. We're not all fighting for the same space. Um, we just need to make a little more. And and that's completely appropriate for us to do. Um, and then just you know really encouraging each other to be super genuine because you know 
in lots of cases, women try to, to match energy and be something they're not to fit into some of these situations, particularly in the workplace. Um, and so there's, there's some deprogramming to do around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was preparing for this episode, there's like something that I was trying to like piece together. Like what was the spark that got you prioritizing fitness in your life? Like, have you been into fitness for a long time? And um, yeah, I'll just let you answer that first part and I might have a follow up after. Sure. So I'd say um, for the last bunch of years, absolutely. Uh, in my younger years, did a lot of stuff like um, death race. I've run it a couple of times. Um, a lot of like adventure type stuff, cross country running, um, was never that good at it because I'm, I am five feet tall. Um, so, um, not that great at it. Um, but you know, I spent a ton of time in hot yoga. Now I spent a ton of time running horses and that sort of stuff. It is a priority for me. Um, I genuinely believe that uh, a healthy mind or a healthy body drives a healthy mind. Um, and so really do focus on it. And for me, it's an outlet, um, and so I do think it's critically important. Um, you know, we've talked a, a bit about, you know, I used to love doing spin and things like that because they give me the ability to kind of um, remove myself from everything that's happening in my brain for a little while. So, you know, that hot space or that noisy space and that sort of thing has really been helpful for me. Um, but I, it, for me, it, it makes a huge difference. And um, I travel a ton. Uh, so for me to be able to get out and walk and move and do those sorts of things really just keeps me, uh, keeps me sharp. Well, the, the follow up to this was basically going to be as the as the challenges and the stressors of the pandemic have have come upon us, whether it be just like um, essentially policing different mandates or supporting the people on our teams like uh, that's that's emotionally draining, very heavy things to deal with. How do you implement or structure that uh, that part of your life like so that you don't put it to the wayside when you're putting people first? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so through through COVID, um, we'd made the decision that as long as our stores were open, that we would be working and we'd be in the office. Um, and we held pretty true to that. Um, we never wanted our store staff to feel abandoned. And so um, in terms of structuring my life, it actually stayed pretty consistent. Uh, I still got up in the morning, did my workouts, went to work. Um, but in the beginning, it, it wasn't necessarily like that. There was days where we were spending entire days trying to find hand sanitizer for staff or cleaning products because they weren't widely available. And so, you know, we were just like a convoy out there trying to find things to keep staff um, safe. And, and then the workouts um, became particularly critical in the throes of it. Um, you know, we really struggled with people, um, you know, it's funny, you can't make everybody happy. You know, the, there was a, a tweet the other day that, you know, somebody came in the store and yelled at somebody for not wearing a mask and the staff didn't respond the way they wanted to. But the reality is it's not always safe for us to do that. It hasn't been safe for us to do that. So it's been a series of decisions along the way. And I would tell you that those decisions drive, um, or at least for me, um, drove a lot of conflict and stress. Um, so getting those workouts in actually really helped me clear my mind as I was trying to think about the best way to keep our people safe um, because it was tough. It was really tough to keep people safe during that um, because pe like, people could be very challenging and, and they took a lot of abuse mm -hmm. physically and mentally. 
I mean, I know that firsthand. I spent the last uh, five months, one of my roles, I was in a Lululemon store, and I won't get into it too much, but being public-facing amidst bylaws and stuff, um, sometimes people aren't thinking of the bigger picture and how their 30 minutes of, of action can really have like a trickle effect, especially um, when there are hospitals that are actually limited capacity etc but uh quickly segue into the next thing so we have addressed that you work for a cannabis company um and i know we've talked about like the the holistic benefits of it and um like i i can speak to knowing a lot of people who've used it for anxiety i know that uh, i have tried some of the beverages and it's what I see it as is for a person who might battle addiction or a person that just wants moderation, but they want moderation that looks different. It's, it's a big opportunity to sort of like balance out life with these things that are out of our control or, um, maintaining uh, nutrition habits through just different choices uh, big opportunity for that so I just wanted to like destigmatize the industry as a whole but for you like what what has been your experience with cannabis with your life um, and just like how it may or may not have like supported you kind of thing sure yeah happy to answer that um, I agree the stigma is real. Uh, we work pretty hard on, on that, uh, which is why I think it's so important that you see things like on our, our Instagram, you see the folks who work inside our business, um, you know, their their parents, their you know, contributing members of society. And so it's, it, it, there has been some, um, some real shifts to that stigma though. Um, I would say, um, so first of all, I work in the rec market. And so it's very clear that we don't give, um, our staff are very well trained to say, we are not doctors, we are not lawyers, and we are not vets. Um, but we, um, from my own personal experience, they're alternatives and I think, um, well worth exploring. So for example, um, topicals are a great thing for me to use. Um, you know, like I said, I spent a bunch of time on the back of a horse. Uh, I still try to run when I can, um, do the workouts that you send me and that are hard. Um, but you know, topicals really do help with that. You know, we've got sore muscles and, and things of that nature. Uh, the beverages for me, I think are going to be a bright spot. Um, you know, liquor, um, liquor is what it is. And, and there's lots of folks who, who like uh, to consume liquor. The beverages provide an alternative that are lower sugar, lower calories, um, you know, less likelihood of a hangover, all those sorts of things. So there's definitely some benefits to those kinds of things. Um, and then for me, I, like I said, I travel a fair bit um, and sleep is a problem for me. It's just my brain runs constantly. Um, so being able to find things like edibles or oils or things like that, that can help me um, find a way to get some sleep when I'm on the road is really important for me because it, it, how, I mean, you're not effective when you haven't slept for four days. Um, and so th those are things that have worked really, really well for me. Um, and they're alternatives to other products. And to me, they feel like, for me, they feel like the safer alternative um, and they work. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, something that I was thinking about as I was thinking about this topic and thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about on this podcast today is there are so many people who their, their addictions to dangerous substances like cocaine or just like whatever else is out there that people are dabbling in are like triggered by overconsumption of one substance which is very accessible and to have alternatives that may not lead down that dark path um can be life-changing for some people so with that with with those layers to the equation put on the table like 
uh, it can be very transformative and it's like, it's not going to be for any, everyone, just like nothing is really for everyone. Like there's, you could get like a chocolate cupcake and that's not for everyone. Um, but in, in this whole world of stressors and anxieties and, uh, behavior change and trying to stay on track with things and consistency, like is a big deal. Like to, to introduce something where someone no longer has to deal with like a hangover or to introduce something where, um, someone might not have such a hard time falling asleep. Like there are a ton of people in my life that uh, have like insomnia or have a hard time falling asleep. And there's people I've worked with and people who have dealt with some really heavy stuff in the pandemic. So with all of that being said, I think it's, I think it's important for people to learn more about all the different things and learn more about all the, what I found to be really interesting was going through the, the value buds, social media and learning about like the, the backgrounds of like suppliers and of the different people on the team and being like, Holy cow. Like they, I could learn a lot from this person on like business or communication or learn from their past experiences and how it attributed to the role. Um, some of the things I often highlight for people are, I say that like all of your jobs as you do, um, no matter whether it's a five month stint, a one year stint or a five year career, uh, are going to contribute to your path going forward. Um, I can imagine that's been something that you've experienced. Like what, what has helped you with your HR background or your oil industry background going into where you're at now? As people, I mean, it really, again, it's been the focus on people and understanding organizational behavior that has made an incredible difference because if you can understand people's motivations and, and what drives people, um, it makes a considerable difference because you need, uh, engagement. Engagement's incredibly important in, in especially something like retail, because retail can be really tough. Um, but it's really the focus on organizational behavior and and making sure that you can keep people motivated because keeping people motivated through COVID was really hard. And so that's why it was so critically important that, that um, the source saw us. They saw me and the rest of the leadership team out in the stores and trying to help as much as we could to keep them safe. Um, but that, that's really where that all lies is just understanding what motivates people and what makes them feel engaged and what makes them feel um, motivated to come to work every day. Um, that's really where that, that importance has lied. Um, but yeah, and, and to go back to what we were talking about just a second ago, I think um, one thing I do want to highlight that a lot of people don't realize uh, when you talk about the cannabis industry, because everybody just assumes that it's all consumables or um, combustibles and so something you would smoke. But the reality is it's not. It's, um, it's eye cream, it's lip balm, it's matcha tea, um, it's the beverages, it's um, the topicals, it's bath bombs, it's um, all the edibles, it's a cupcake, it's cupcakes, there is cupcakes there too. Um, all those types of things are available and so I think people kind of get their head, they think it's just going to be joints and piles of weed uh, and the reality is it's not at all. There's all sorts of, of alternative um, options there. Um, and I think it's important that people know that. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was preparing for this uh, podcast episode, I was talking to my parents about it because I was like, oh, better uh, give them a heads up. We're going to be talking about weed on the podcast. <laughs> and because uh, one of my rules is like everything I do in my life, I want my parents to be proud of it. 
Um, and if I explain like the why behind it and I explain what I'm learning and how it uh, contributes to my career, or my happiness, like even just the discussion, um, then they're on board with it. They're like, I'm a product of them. So we're not too far separated, but it's just something that like for most of their lives has been illegal. And so I was talking to my mom about it on the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, like at this point we just have to just reflect and be like this is beer now like this is this is a product that uh you should exercise in moderation with it just like everything just like caffeine everything um but is something that uh can be helpful when integrated to some people's lifestyles and some people bypass it altogether um and there's a lot of different ways to approach it and i've gotten to see just the variety of products because like one of the many other things i do is i help run a bunch of different social media accounts so i run a few different uh, uh cannabis shop accounts and i get to see there's like bath salts there are like uh endless things like it's wild uh what a selection there is and when people kind of think of that i hope that they're understanding that within trainers there's totally different trainers so and then within um real estate agents within everything uh that that's why it's so important to foster a strong connection which is kind of like one of the staples of the services that I offer is that I want to be building like a strong connection with anybody that I help. Um, so let's kind of dig into that a little bit with regards to like the remote training service that I offer. What is the thing that kind of keeps you coming back? Cause you've stuck around for a long time. I really appreciate it. And I just kind of want to know like what, what is it about the service that makes you think I'll, I'll keep going with this. Because you're going to text me every freaking Sunday morning and make sure I did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> Damn right. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a couple of things. And so um, traveling, working out on the road can be hard. Um, and so one of the things that you've done is make sure that I have programs that I can adapt if I don't have any equipment. Doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen sometimes. Sometimes you'll go into a hotel gym and it looks like a regular gym. And sometimes there's five dumbbells. Um, and they're all different weights and they're greasy and rusty. Um, and so that's the reality. Um, so I do, I mean, I travel bands and that sort of thing just to, to keep that going. But um, that's really what it is. It's, it, that's certainly one of the things is really being able to, it, it removes all the excuses, right? And so, or even if I say, you know what, Chris, I couldn't work out today, but I walked and um, you do the math to tell me how much I should have walked to make up my workout. <laughs> which I almost never actually do. Um, I do walk just not yeah. that much. Um, that's the accountability that drives me. And that's the accountability that I, that I need. Um, Cause I don't want to have to think about it. Mm-hmm. I, think about other things. I don't want to have to think about it. Um, and so that for me has been really, really helpful. Um, and then, I mean, just the sheer responsiveness of it too. Right. I mean, there's been lots of times where I, I mean, I pinched a nerve in my neck and couldn't move it for six weeks and we had to adjust a whole bunch of things. And um, so that's all been really helpful and just the sheer responsiveness to when I hurt myself. Cause I think you and I both know that if I say I hurt myself, I have really hurt myself because I'm probably not going to flag it until it's, there's a limb hanging off. So it's been, uh, so that's been really helpful. And that accountability has made a huge difference for me. Well, with regards to like not bringing something up until it is like too far gone, I think uh, I'm able to relate to stuff like that because for myself, I tend to be a very, very busy person. Like I was uh, 
sharing. I think I shared on LinkedIn. I don't share much on LinkedIn, but I was like, um, something about Google Calendar and Calendly is like uh, the most game changer ever because everything that I do is organized into Google Calendar. It's how I like keep track of things. If it's not in there, I'll forget about it. And just like it is helpful to have somebody else managing things, but then it's also helpful to have like um, the personality figured out and just knowing that, okay, like this person's foot is on the gas pedal. So like me as the trainer needs to know that so that I don't like uh, toss you into the fire, like just irresponsibly kind of thing. And just kind of like having those guardrails or exercise selection, that's more likely to just challenge you and give you like a good quad pump versus just like kind of, um, leading to more stress or injury amidst a very busy career. Cause I couldn't imagine having to, to travel as much as you do, but I try to imagine so that I can kind of be in your shoes. I still wish the airports had gyms. We just talked about this a few weeks ago, or maybe it was this week. I don't know, mm. but I still wish that airports had gyms. That would be so helpful. I think one day they will like, it's, it's only a matter of time with like new industries coming in. I know that, uh, evolve just got like a, a bid to do a gym for Amazon. And so like, as companies like that expand and get closer and closer to the airport, like it's, it'll happen. I think, um, yes. Work so, travel does not lend itself well to managing diets. It used to pre-COVID, you get anything you wanted in an airport. Now you're getting a smash burger and some old hummus, and that is all. <laughs> you're poison. Well, I mean, within the umbrella of the stuff that I do, I actually train some people in the United States as well. So I contract for a business called A-Team Fitness run by my friend Alex McBrarity. And... What I have learned is uh, just how much you have to learn about the environments other people will find themselves in, whether it be the industry that they work in, or whether it be like the temperature of their state or province, the things that they have access to. Um, with you being someone who has fitness and nutrition as a priority, how do you like set the boundaries when so much of your work has to be like networking with people or setting up meetings and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I did a really bad job of this last week. And so, um, as you can tell, cause you can tell when I opened the app, um, it didn't do a great job of it last week, but I, there are, you absolutely are starting to see more and more meetings that are, you know, let's go for a walk or you know, let's do something a little bit different and seeing far fewer of these really, you know, the heavy meals and all of the liquor and the cannabis industry actually, um, there's a lot of folks in the cannabis industry who don't drink, who don't consume liquor. And so that's actually pretty helpful for me um, because it's quick, I mean, calories and like, deep, like liquor, liquor for me, as soon as I've had a glass of wine, I'm not going to the gym, right? And I know that, um, which is why I always work out in the morning, but um, for me, those boundaries have really been about trying to set some more of those meetings that are around walking uh, or meeting somewhere more interesting, you know, for coffee instead of for dinner and those kinds of things. Um, and I travel with a ton of food, which uh, I know is weird. And the airports look at me crazy every time when they open my bag and see um, hummus in a can and all sorts of other weird things and a lot of tuna. Uh, but for me, it just, it makes a difference. Um, it, what people think business travel is and what it actually is are very different kind of what you see in the movies is not the reality um especially now you're lucky if you can get room service in a hotel or can find something near um and so it doesn't lend itself to good choices and so it really has been a matter of taking those choices um 
into my own hands. Uh, and I'm lucky I often travel um, with my partner at work, um, the VP of operations, and uh, we're both really committed to getting our miles in a lot of days. So um, that's really changed things as well. Just just changing, you know, the reframing how you do some of those things. So we will do our um, either a morning walk or evening walk and sort of talk about what the day was and, and um, debrief that way versus, you know, in a more unhealthy way. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, there's, there's a hotel in the entire in that I've been in that I've not run the stairs in. <laughs> is, I run a lot of hotel stairs. It, it's such an underrated opportunity for people to utilize stairs. Like one thing in, in the building that I live in, it's, it's a very small sort of like uh, apartment style condo building and there's no elevator. And I was obviously aware of that when I bought it. Um, and so I go through like a couple flights of stairs every time I do anything. And I kind of looked at that as like a, a fail proof way of me getting at least some kind of a step up in a day. And just like when I'm carrying the groceries and when I'm like got a backpack on my back and I'm going up and down the stairs, like if I hadn't, um, had a place up the stairs and just had something ground level, uh, I would miss out on a lot of just like what we would reflect on as non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And it's basically any activity that you get, uh, that would increase your energy balance, but you would consider it more lifestyle than fitness. And through the lens of a trainer, when talking to a person that has all these emotions and stressors and all these different things, it's so important to be able to kind of empower and equip people with the value of like just getting their step count up or um, reducing their stress that day. Like, let's say you were fairly sedentary, but you had a meaningful conversation with someone that set you up for the next day in which you could make good decisions rather than having like a like a very shallow conversation with someone that just took you down a dark path and then you completely wrote off the next three days. Like it's such a common thing that happens for people. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest opportunity for like the online training space. It's, it's much more than like, like I know that there's so many other workouts out there and some of them are probably better than mine. But the thing that I lean into the most is like the connection, the communication, the accountability, the responsiveness um, to be just like, well, my, my friend Alex often says it's like we're in a person's pocket, like we're that responsive um, and we are that like connected and engaged. And we try to like have like some kind of a buy in as to what that person's like career goals are. Um, as a trainer, I look at a person's career and I'm like, okay, I want to see this person win. I want to see them, uh, get a promotion or, uh, get something that is advantageous for their career because they are a whole person and that's part of them. And that's going to contribute to the reduction of their stress. And it's going to allow them to, um, be able to take in more experiences, travel, go for long walks, pet dogs, stuff like that. It's interesting. Um, one of the things you've never done is tell me to reduce stress. And I, and I appreciate that about you um, because it's not possible for me. Like, it's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not the job I signed up for. It's not what my life looks like. And so, you know, um, you know, when I'm, t when time is, is tight or I've had a particularly stressful week, the, when somebody says, well, I need, to, you should be let, so first of all, I think you should never start a sentence with you should, or what you need to, like, I just, fully believe that in every part of my life is you should never start a sentence with you should. Um, but when people tell me that I need to reduce my stress, um, especially when they don't have a good idea of what it is I actually do for a living or know me that well, I find that to be one of the most stress inducing things that can happen because it's just not possible. Like it's just, it just isn't. Um, 
not, not in the career that I'm in. And this is the career I chose and I love what I do and it comes with stress and that's okay. And we have to normalize that to some degree um, because it's just, I'm stressed out, I'm not gonna quit my job because of it. Um, I just have to learn to manage it differently um, or manage it better. And sometimes it's just not manageable and that's okay too. Um, and just trying to, you know, setting the expectation that you should be able to manage all this stress is just setting another expectation that is unmanageable and is unrealistic. Um, and so why create another hurdle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just don't, I, it's, we've got to get our heads around that. Something that uh, I think of often, like I, I dive deep into professional development books and I, I like to learn about like non-fitness careers to kind of get that perspective. And like, there's been times that I've considered like going and getting a part-time job at a coffee shop just to get one more piece of exposure. Like I've done guerrilla marketing jobs. I've uh, managed sport check. I've worked in Lululemon. I've done deli. I've done worked at a bar, like all these different environments kind of helped me understand that like, no matter what role that you're in, there is stress and stress is almost like sort of the gift that keeps you on your toes and helps remind you that you're alive. And then like the ways to, to like manage it aren't necessarily to just eliminate it altogether. Cause what are you doing? If you have no stress, like, are you even, even like moving forward? Like workouts have stress, like everything eating has stress, um, whether it's moderate or not, because you're having to chew food and you're having to make sure that you don't choke and die all these different things. So the, the lens that I tend to look at it through is like, how can we become more resilient through everything that we will inevitably face? Like I often kind of circle back to the fact that like in our life, we'll, we'll experience loss. We'll experience like emotional hardship. We will experience, um, struggles financially, even when we have like a season of, of success where we think that nothing bad could happen. Like the, the dips go up and down. Like it's just, it is the trend of everyone's life. And so like, what are the things that we can implement to make it, uh, make it all work. And I think one of the things that you know, well, is like that people first mentality of like being very, um, sort of discerning of the people that you let into your life, um, and having very quality communication with your HR background, communication would be a strength of yours. And like for, for myself in, in my diverse background, I, I took a few HR classes. So I got a little bit of a taste of HR and I saw like how much of a game changer, pardon me. You ran from it very quickly. Well, essentially what I did was I was, I was working for, for sport check and I thought I'd move up the company that way. And so I enrolled in two HR classes and two PR classes. Um, they're actually pretty helpful. The, one of the PR classes was media relations. So I got to learn of like the different, uh, tone that different publications will have like Edmonton journal versus Edmonton sun. And I like, it was, I have the book still. And so I could like page through it as we're going through all the releases that have happened in the last two years. Um, and so it was extremely valuable. And then it ended up that I decided I was going to chase money. I went into essentially the oil industry into warehousing and I was like in warehouse operations for about five years with a stainless steel company. So I can definitely relate to like the, uh, lateral moves in a career to kind of find your purpose, but being very focused on people like the, the game changer in the environments that you'll find me is the people that are there, whether it be a gym, personal life, um, anything like that. And I think that's, that's been a big 
game changer in uh, my my opportunity to train you because there there's some correlations there when you're building teams and when you're empowering people and mentoring leaders and like the the things that you care about like the causes that you're a board member for kind of reflect a lot of the things that uh, stand true to you and I've noticed that a lot with uh, most of the people that I work with like I find that like the writing is on the wall with my social media people know what they're getting and then they're like yep I'll sign up for that this guy is up my alley um, but to, to kind of draw my ramble to a close like when you are uh, focusing on people like what are the things if you're going to help someone be more resilient or more like they're you're not changing them you're helping them find something within them that's already there to give them more opportunity like what what's your strategy or tactic to do so yeah i'd say you hit on something pretty critical there and it's about resiliency um and and there is few things that are more valuable than resiliency um it's something that's pretty true to me like i um i didn't i didn't my path was not narrow it was not straight um you know, I, I, um, I don't, I don't hide these things, but I, um, you know, I didn't have any money to go to university. So I, um, I worked in, um, a pretty seedy place as a bartender. I feel like I have to clarify I was a bartender. Um, but I, you know, I, I had to work as a bartender in a not great bar. Uh, I was working in a hospital kitchen, which was actually considerably worse than the bar. Um, I was working at a horse ranch. I was working at a pizza hut. I was like, I, all of these types of things that I had to do just to be able to pay for school um, were, um, and I don't regret the path I had to take, um, you know, and, and so I've, I've, I've always talked about it a fair bit because I think it's important for people to realize that just because you didn't have the money to go to university um, or it took you eight years like it did for me to, to get through all of the schooling that I took, um, that that's okay. And that, and, but those skills that you're building along the way and those experiences that you're having are what are so critical, critically important. Um, so when I've got staff, um, for example, I've got a store manager who um, just, like, he floors me constantly. He has been through so much adversity, um, you know, from foster care to being in a, you know, in, in a band and, and, you know, being just so much adversity in his life um, and, you know, and being on the brink of, of success and then having it taken away several times to watch somebody like him come to work every day and never expect to have, you know, and to know that he's got to work hard to get what he gets. Um, that's the kind of person that I want to make sure they get everything. That's the kind of person. Um, and so resiliency means absolutely everything um, because I didn't walk an easy path. And I really respect the other folks who didn't either. Um, and I really respect people who did what they had to do um, to, to get where they where they've got. And you know, and, and most of the the females are the um, the uh, group I was talking about in the beginning of this um, are all really really strong, very successful women today. And none of them came from an easy background. Not a single one of them. And so, um, so I think it's important that we talk about these things. I think it's important that we talk about you know that I, you know, slept in my car several times, um, you know, didn't have money for rent, you know, ate rice and corn as a meal for two years. Like those are things that we need to talk about because you see somebody today and think what must their path have been like, it must've been so simple. And the reality is it wasn't, is it was an absolute battle for years. Um, and so if I can find folks who, um, you know, who have been through a bit of adversity or, you know, and came out more resilient, 
I want to make sure that we champion them. I want to make sure we make space for them and clear the path for them to be able to move forward. And that's not to say that if you didn't live that life that you don't have value either. I certainly don't mean that. Many, many, many people do. Um, but I think it's important that we really get to know people's stories. You know, and I think that, that that's somewhere where you and I agree. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, what my week looked like and what my challenges were and, and what strategies I had to put in place. Um, but getting to know people's stories, especially if they've had some adversity, is just so important. And it's also why it's just so important to be so nice to people, right? Like you talk about being a barista, like, holy shit, what, what must their days best be like sometimes, right? And or with our staff, you know, when somebody comes in and, and you know, Last weekend, we had somebody come into the stores and start screaming at our staff about the psychological damage that was happening by wearing masks. Well, I don't know. How about the psychological damage? Are you screaming at my staff? <laughs> and so, like, do you know what I mean? Like, so, like, I just think um, getting to know people's stories and their lived experiences is just so critically important. Absolutely. I mean, I like, answer your question at all. <laughs> It, it touched on a lot of things that are important and there's a lot for me to expand on and just like uh, learning about people's story. Learning about people's story transfers over to how I've learned to connect with people in an online space. Like I, I learn about a person's story before I even start working with them because it makes such a big difference. And like even from like a, like a people building uh, avenue, when a person knows that someone actually wants to know where they came from and like what makes them who they are and like what holidays that they celebrate, what their favorite color is, things like that, like that stuff really matters and they show up differently. And like the version of them that you get from that moment forward is way better. Like it, it's elevated, it's uh, magnified and that that's like a, like a skill that very few people take the time to refine. So it's a pretty big, deal in like team building and it's a it's a missing ingredient in a lot of different businesses and in several different industries um from like an hr perspective when you're looking at another team and you're finding that there's like a hole in like the team like how how do you address that how do you put out fires like that because i know you've done like presentations for for hr and stuff like that so let's hear more about that you have googled um so <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, it's easier to do from an HR lens because you've got the access to like things like psychometric, psychometric testing. Um, but when it when something like that happens, your your problem is communication. It is almost always communication, and it's and it's how something is being said and how it's being filtered. And so, really important that you tie those together and get people to understand that how they're being perceived and what they're hearing. And so, um, so that that's really really how you do it and lots of times people who are being um perceived as differently than they want to be don't understand how they're doing that and so um really important that you help people understand how they're being perceived and so or when you say this this is what people are hearing or um you know one of my own downfalls and i know this is that i don't always make enough time for people, you know, when they when they want to talk about something, I tend to rush them through sometimes because I'm busy um, and then almost always immediately correct myself after and say, clearly they needed something different from me. Um, but it's a matter of just really digging into what people are hearing and, and how they're perceiving it. I like a tool. Uh, it's called DISC. You could use colors. You could use any of those kinds of tools. Don't Myers-Briggs is, is an old one. We don't talk about that one anymore, but some people do. Um, 
but that really does help you figure out who you are and how you are perceived. You can do those tests online. Um, and if you're finding that you're misaligned with people, you should do them. You should absolutely do them. I just assessed my husband on like our second date. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, uh, one thing that I want to address right off the hop, and this is one of the reasons that I look up to the, the fitness industry mentor that I do. Um, so someone who I've highlighted in probably 30 or 40 episodes of this show, I've had a ton of people who've taken his mentorship. The person is Kyle Dobbs and throughout his mentorship, he actually does like a disc assessment and teaches us to learn how we communicate and how we like to be communicated to. And in turn, that equips us to be able to have that um, to to use as a resource with with the people that we work with so that we can learn um, how to get like a direct connection rather than like a like a miscommunication or um, doing something that completely ruins that person's entire experience just simply based on us thinking that they perceived us differently than how they actually did. So it's just when it comes to like mentors in the fitness industry, I am probably one of the pickiest trainers ever because just through the lessons that I learned early in my career, I just learned a lot of lessons and it made me very picky going forward. And I just wanted to make sure that I was aligned in values. I wanted to make sure that I was aligned in like what that person brought to the table. And so if there's trainers listening to this and you're like, okay, like I've been looking for a mentor, um, make sure to go back to old episodes, pay attention to the people that I highlight or just message me directly because that's that's a big big thing and like there was a post that I was thinking about making today that I didn't actually quite make but it's basically if you are in the first like year of whatever career that you're in um, it's more valuable for you to focus on a mentor than it is for you to focus on your branding like just like a picture of you or your website or like if you have Squarespace or not like that mentor is going to change your life um, and I know that we've, we talked about how it was international women's day and how you had like a community of, of females, but then you, you talked about how you had some male mentors, um, like what have been like the, the lessons that they've, they've given you that have uh, benefited you, benefited you the most? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and, and the answer is going to be somewhat unexpected, um, voice control. Absolutely. That is the most important lesson I ever learned from one of my mentors was voice control. And especially as a female and uh, when I worked for him, I was obviously quite a bit younger, um, but he taught me how to use my voice um, to command authority, uh, to make sure that I wasn't um, where I had the inflection. So things didn't sound like they were a question when they weren't a question. Um, how, you know, women have a tendency, especially younger women, um, to either lean into vocal fry or lean into uh, raising their voice a couple of octaves. Um, he used to stand, I would, I would present and, and I was working for an oil and gas company. It was a very large company. Um, he would stand in the back of the room and, and listen to my voice uh, and just sort of figure out when I started to lose control or when it would start to go up a little bit, um, which, which is a dangerous, dangerous habit uh, as a woman and especially in a woman with some degree of authority. Um, so voice control, most important thing I ever learned from a mentor, and he happened to be male. Um, um, other things I learned, um, I don't know. It's um, I mean, part of the reason I was so successful in the oil and gas industry is because I, I mean, I, I grew up a farm kid with a whole pile of brothers. Um, so it's pretty hard to surprise me or phase me. Um, 
but um but yeah, so I mean, I think it's the same mentor, I'd say, um, also taught me about, you know, what should and shouldn't phase me, um, because it's really easy for women. Um, so you take a step back and talk about DISC, um, really easy for people to start using things like DISC and, and their assessment as an excuse for behavior versus leaning into how it is you behave. So, you know, anybody who understands DISC, I'm a high D secondary C, which surprises nobody. Um, but my I is very low, which means that I'm very introverted, which is would seem strange for the role that I'm in. Um, so it's a matter of learning how to, to apply that and be able to, um, to adjust uh, and bend to things like that. Um, but the same mentor um, really taught me what should phase me and what shouldn't phase me, because it's really easy to fall into a pattern where you just accept everything because you know that it's your best chance um, at success in that particular space, regardless of the impact that it will have on you. Uh, and that impact can be profound. Uh, as you know, the, the more and more you start to accept things that you maybe shouldn't be accepting. Um, so I say that's certainly another really good lesson um, that I learned. Uh, I have another male mentor, also a phenomenal human being. And, and this man makes space for anybody and everybody. And, you know, you don't realize how, um, how important that is to people, it's, especially as you start to grow in your career and, and different levels of, of, um, of, of how people perceive you. Um, but he taught me to make space for people. And, and I think that's so incredibly important. Um, it's something so simple as when we, when somebody hits a, a milestone, you know, I sign their letter and I normally write a note on their letter would never have thought that people actually cared about getting a pin that said they've been there one year or three years. Um, or that I wrote a note of some memory that I have of them on their letters and the frequency in which I hear about those things when I'm in the stores or people say, hey, I got your letter or I got your Christmas card um, because the, my, my work partner and I sat down and wrote a, wrote a Christmas card for every single um, one of our store managers and every single member of our team. And, and um, you just don't realize how critical that is for people and, and what it means to them sometimes. Um, so that's another great thing I learned from him. Those are all like uh, very relevant to the training industry and just things that uh, that stand out to me and in, in my experiences. And I, I can shed some light onto it for people who have been longtime listeners. If, if they go to the episode with Jenny Rerick, I can't remember which episode it was, but she is a personal trainer or strength coach. Um, and her episode was on like tone and speaking and adding a pause and through most of a lot of my work I'll do like video check-ins with people or video consultations and I actually dove down the rabbit hole on like uh, vocal fry and like how you can avoid things like that and the pitch of your voice like if my voice gets higher in pitch am I more confident or less confident and all these different uh things that we wouldn't think matter but they matter a great deal and they matter in person vocal fry matters yeah say that vocal fry matters well especially when it comes to sales like sales is something that is part of your business and it's a huge part of my business because um personal training is like a like it's it's a luxury for a lot of people like it's not within the realm for for many people and so if they're making that decision um it has a lot of gravity to it like uh, I often reflect on the fact that a lot of people who are investing in training of any capacity are making that choice instead of uh, choosing to finance a car or instead of deciding to go on a holiday that year. And like, I don't take that for granted for a second. So I have to be um, delivering my everything that I do with uh, 
a sense of certainty and confidence so that they can get um, the the things that they need from it so that they don't feel doubtful over this person that's giving the service, etc. But we've we've covered a lot. Seriously, though, right? Like I need people to um, to hear me with authority. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about what you think a chief operating officer of a cannabis company looks like, it ain't me. Right. And so um, so I have to make sure that people are hearing me. And and um, so I'm speaking with authority and I'm speaking with clarity. And those things matter. They absolutely do. And just like uh, a person can pick up on some of the the skills that you would have learned over the time in just hearing how you speak on the episode and just the the way that you use your voice and i think that's an important lesson for anybody is uh everybody has this opportunity to use their voice they don't have to fit into a box and and everybody has ideas that they'll bring to their different ventures in life that that really matter and that are really transformational for the direction of whatever their their vision or goal may be whether they want to be self-employed whether they want to chase after a goal that really matters to them and they're getting some pushback from somebody else who thinks their goal should be something else based on who they are or what they do or what they look like and any of that um but to kind of keep us on time because i know i've basically taken up an hour of your time which i really appreciate uh if you were to give like a piece of advice to someone listening to this episode and this will get a wide range of audience based on what the, the topics we covered are, et cetera, what would the, the piece of advice be? Oh, like just in general, general advice that you think might help them in life or their career. Yeah. That's a good question. I should have got these in advance. Um, you know what I would say, I, I go back to saying that, that lived experiences are important and share your story and find, I mean, it, it, find the people who want to hear your story and who respect that story, but lived experiences are so important. Um, and then other than that, I think, uh, you know, again, um, regardless, male, female, um, find a mentor and then mentor somebody else. And there's lots of ways to do that. You can do it through, you know, through Nate or through any of the schools. Um, lots of ways you can do that, but find somebody to mentor. Um, and I think I think that's really important. Um, and then I think the last one, and I talk, you would have seen this in the social post, but I talk to the girls. Um, I teach employment skills to the girls at Little Warriors, um, the older girls, um, because many cases they have to work uh, at their age, but um, have never tried to find a job or don't know how to be an employee. Um, but the one thing I always share with them is that um, if folks are saying that you are too much, then, you know, I would just always recommend that they ask them if they were hoping for less. Um, because as women, I think that that's something that's that we've just gotten used to and desensitized to. Um, but the reality is we're not too much. Mm -hmm. I, I stand by that and I agree with it. I think... Uh when people are able to be their authentic self and when they're feeling supported and heard and seen, um, big things happen and the sky's the limit. But uh, that concludes our episode. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to do it.